from a college student's makeshift recording studio, this is Mind Dump, the podcast where we make sense of my mind's nonsense. I'm your host, Bea, and in this episode, we're talking about a big, fat, existential crisis. Hi, everyone. So, this episode is quite a product of being alone, <laughs> as the quarantine has cost us. We've been in isolation for so long and I know it's really forced us to just sit alone with our thoughts and there's no school, there's no org work to serve us background noise um, to all these thoughts in our head and it just sucks to have to deal with them. Okay, TMI, but I am going through that monthly thing that women have to go through, so bear with me. I will be a bit more straightforward in this episode because as the title of the episode entails, I am going through a full-force existential crisis. I've not been myself (laughs) just because like these thoughts have really been eating me up and I feel a lot crankier and angrier than usual and it sucks. So this episode, I will be dividing the discussion into two parts. So first, I'll be talking about what exactly is an existential crisis. Because, you know, we throw the term so casually. And, you know, what are actually the features of what make an existential crisis? And the second part of the discussion will be me talking about the seven stages of an existential crisis. I know there's the seven stages of grief, but I sort of pattern the seven stages of an existential crisis um, after that. And I just wanted to, like, talk about how my mind has been dealing with it and, like, the seven stages that it's been going through or it will go through. So, yeah. I really hope that, like, this doesn't just make you feel sadder. I hope that in one way or another, this kind of makes you realize that you're not alone in these thoughts and they're actually pretty normal. So, okay, let's start with the first part of the discussion. What makes an existential crisis actually like an existential crisis actually bloomed forth from the ideas of philosophers Ooh, philosophy philo one was my favorite ge and there are five of them this isn't really important but i just want to say it anyway just to like give credit where credit is due so that's kierkegaard camus nietzsche heidegger and sartre i have no idea if i pronounced those correctly but these are the five philosophers whose ideas um, essentially integrated into this existential approach and into you know the formation of what we now call an existential crisis. So what are the features of an existential crisis? You know, what makes it a crisis? What makes it existential? <laughs> so the first is that you suddenly see that things that seem like common sense or like mundane suddenly reveal themselves to be contingent, chance, uncanny and relative in nature you start to realize that all these things you have now could easily be different could easily be something else you start to have all these questions like why do we live in this part of the world why am i living in this part of the philippines even and you start to think like why am i in this course why am i studying communications when i have you know when i could easily have been an architecture student or why am i living this life even like you start thinking like why is this the life I'm living why is this the kind of personality I I take on when I meet different people so it's like all these options suddenly come flooding into your system and you realize that there are far more possibilities than you allow yourself to imagine 
And the second feature is that it's anxiety-inducing, which we all know is quite a fun time, anxiety. Because, you know, you realize that you have so much freedom. A lot of people think that freedom is a good thing, you know, more freedom, yeah. You have more free will, you can do whatever you want. But then more freedom also means more anxiety. You know, look at Chidi from The Good Place. He is so anxious, his stomach hurts whenever he has to make a decision, whenever he's faced with choices. And that's the same with being human. We are riddled with anxiety the moment that we're given more choices. Because you realize that all this time, there's way more that you could be doing right now. Ooh. But, you know, they do say that it is the human condition to be anxious. It's a basic feature of our lives. But again, that doesn't make it suck any less. It sucks to be anxious. And the third feature is that we suddenly have a heightened awareness of death. You start to realize that, oh my gosh, the clock is ticking. Time is running out. I need to do something with my life. I need to do something great with my life. How else, you know, am I supposed to? to live my life to the fullest. You start looking at all these young people who have accomplished so much. You start comparing yourself to your peers who have done so much more than you have. And you just start to develop this kind of fear that I could die any moment now. And I really need to re-examine my life. Like, how the heck am I supposed to live my best life? But at the same time, you don't want to spend too much time examining your life because, as I've said, time is running out. Oh no. So... It's just this really confusing thing. And then the last feature is that you realize that you have many choices, but you are denied the information you need to choose with ultimate wisdom or certainty. In short, we are driving blind sisters. We are literally in the dark. No matter what option we choose, We literally don't know if it's right or wrong, if it's actually gonna help us in any way or form, if it's actually going to lead us to our greater purpose in life, you know. And, oh, I really, really hate it. But that is life. Also, I just want to say that the features that I mentioned were from a video by The School of Life on YouTube called What is an Existential Crisis? I believe that's the title. Yes, that's the title. The title of that video was... So what is an existential crisis by the School of Life? If you guys want a more like in-depth approach as to what it is, go ahead there. Um, okay, but now I, what I do want to talk about is how you navigate these feelings and like the different stages in your mindset and your well-being that you go through as you go through the existential crisis. So as I've mentioned earlier, there are seven stages that I've come up with patterned after the seven stages of grief. So... Here they are. The first one, obviously, is confusion and anxiety in one. But it's really more of like this confusion where you start asking yourself the hard questions. Do you ever have those days where sometimes you're you're just eating dinner with your family? Then all of a sudden, like, your heart stops. And then you start looking around you and you wonder, is any of this real? Am I really alive eating dinner with my family right now? Is this just a you know, like a product of my imagination. Ever have those moments or is it just me? I don't know. Like sometimes I'm in church with my family and I suddenly think if anything that's happening right now is real. I have no idea if anyone else um, experiences that. But like that sudden feeling of like, is this real? is usually what jumpstarts my existential crisis. 
and I start, you know, wondering, like, what the heck am I supposed to do with my life? Is life this real? Is anything I ever do gonna lead to something good for people? Why am I even here? What are we here for? And everything just, like, starts coming at me, and I start being confused, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to take a law? Am I supposed to go into media? Am I supposed to go into advertising? Am I supposed to... What if I suddenly have to go to med? What if I weren't meant to be a communications person? You know, what if I actually do better in sciences? You know, I start having these thoughts and I just, oh, it's really the absolute worst. It just sucks to be shocked with confusion and you're left to wonder, uh, what am I here for? Why am I here? What is my life's purpose? These are really hard questions and you just are forced to sit with them you know and deal with them and you literally have no answer <laughs> so that's first stage confusion and the second stage i find is really self-pity i start like hating myself and i just start feeling sorry for myself i kind of curl up into a ball think about it at night and i'm like oh my gosh the reason why you're like this is because you're not good at anything. You know what they say, the jack of all trades, master of none thing. I always think of that. I'm like, it's because you've done so many things your whole life, but you never truly became an expert because you're not good enough to become an expert in anything. You just have shallow knowledge in a lot of things, but that doesn't make you smart because you don't know enough about anything. You don't know deeply about anything and I just like start feeling this pity for myself and I'm just like oh my gosh why have I been living my life like this why have I been doing all these things without really fully immersing myself in it and I start just feeling this really really extreme self-hate and self-pity it's the worst it's it's honestly like I feel like it's one of the worst they just like pity when you just suddenly realize how badly you've been living a life and how all your confusion is because of you <sighs> i don't know it's the worst and then the third stage is shame Woo, we love shame just kidding it's the worst also i think actually i take it back shame is the worst shame is the worst because you've been hating yourself you've been confused and suddenly shame comes in and she's like girl why do you keep thinking about yourself why are you so self-centered you are privileged enough to have all these options, yet you're problematizing that. Oh my gosh. It's just this part of me that scorns my privilege. And that's shame. It It's always like, why are you so self-centered? Why do you keep navel-gazing? When so many things are happening in this world, why don't you just do whatever you can do to help out in this world? Why do you have to keep thinking about what you should do? You don't matter. You're just a single person. You know, this shame just really is the loudest voice in my head and I feel this kind of thing that you don't even deserve to have all these options and it's not even imposter syndrome um because like imposter syndrome is like when you say that you're not good enough to deserve these things right it's like you don't you're not skilled enough to have these options that's what imposter syndrome is but for me it's like imposter syndrome's distant cousin who is far more evil and far more truth hitting and reality hitting and what she says is you don't deserve to have all these options because someone else could easily have been in your shoes or someone else could easily be in your position right now and it's always this nagging feeling that just the fact that you were born in this body that you were born in this house that you were born in this life you have deprived another soul of actually living this life and experiencing this life and it wasn't anyone's choice 
but just your existence deprives others of this existence. And it's not something you could control, but you still feel so ashamed for being here and you don't feel like you deserve anything because it's not like anyone deserves anything because we never choose to live this life. We never choose to be born wherever we are right now. You know, life is a game of luck and you were just lucky enough to be here and that doesn't mean you deserve it. I know it's not a voice that you should always listen to, but you know, it's really part of this navigation in my existential crisis, this shame. It's just always there. It's always fighting with this individualistic, this very self-centered part of me. And then the fourth stage is false hope. I start to hope that, I start journaling my shame, I start talking about it, and I start feeling that, okay, maybe once I acknowledge everything, everything will be okay. Or I think that maybe I should just like keep doing different things. I'll enroll in classes, I'll, then, I'll learn a new skill, or I'll read more about this topic just so I could be a master of it. Maybe, maybe I could forge my own path still. So that's the fourth stage. But then the fifth stage is shame part two. I really find that no matter what, I'm going through in life, shame is always present. It's always just there. Um, Like, you know, whether I'm confused, shame comes. Whether I'm hating myself, shame comes. Whether I'm hoping for a better future, shame is there. Because it's always these two forces inside me where there's a part of me that's very career-driven that wants to help my family, but there's a larger part of me that wants to be of help to people, that doesn't want to leave my country behind that believes in a better system for us and that's where the shame comes from you know that feeling that why am i wrapped up in my own self when there's so many things that you should be fixing or so many other things that you should be pondering on and that shame is always there but at the same time it's like you have to wonder like is it wrong to be self-centered probably but is it wrong to like have a dream for yourself or for your family you have to do what it takes to survive and sometimes that entails doing things for yourself and i don't know i feel like it shouldn't be so wrong but you know shame is still there but i find that like right now right now i am on that fifth stage right now i'm sort of still in stages one to five it's kind of like a cycle i'm like going through circles from confusion to self-pity to shame to false hope to shame again and it's kind of like no matter what i do it always goes back to shame you know it's just always, for me, the predominant feeling that I feel in whatever I do. And most especially when I have an, an existential crisis. So the sixth and seventh stages are actually like hypothetical stages that I hope will come. I do like, I would like to think that they would come and that they do exist in this process of navigating an existential crisis. And that I'm just yet to reach it. So the sixth stage is acceptance. And there's this beautiful quote from the video I mentioned, and it says that having an existential crisis, having these choices and suffering from it and being anxious and being afraid, um, being ashamed, it's all part of being human. It's a fundamental part of being alive. This is the exact quote. So suffering from the agony of choice isn't some anomaly. It's one of the most predictable and poignant things about being alive, end quote. Ah, it's beautiful because, you know, it's sometimes, I know it kind of sounds bad to say, but sometimes the best way to deal with this these kinds of emotions is accepting that they're real and accepting that everyone goes through them, that you're not alone in feeling them. And that's really where acceptance comes in. That sixth stage is truly accepting that no matter what we do, we will never know what we're meant to do. We just have to keep going and that's part of accepting that 
it's just really a fundamental truth of being alive. I actually wrote a tiny letter about this. If you want to subscribe to my tiny letter and like read my letters about more intimate parts of myself, that's tinyletter.com slash S. Okay, anyway, back to the, back to the discussion. Um, so that's the sixth stage, really, acceptance. The seventh stage is, I don't know if it's a far-off idea or if it's too idealistic for my own good, but the seventh one is pulling the punches. Just going for it, you know, like, because you never know what you're meant to do. You just have to pull the punches. You just have to keep going because otherwise, you know, like, your time will run out. As I mentioned earlier, life is short and there's really not much you can do but live it. And it doesn't have to be perfect. We don't have to plan every step because we really cannot. We just have to pull the punches, accept whatever blows happen. If you make the wrong choice, then try again. Or, I don't know, I know that it's always scary. I'm still scared. I still haven't gotten to the sixth and seventh stages because I really haven't figured anything out in this quarantine. But, you know, I, I really like, I'd really like to think that those sixth and seventh stages will come for us that acceptance and action will manifest themselves into our lives and and help us approach life still with anxiety because we can't get rid of that still with confusion still with shame still still with hope but with the notion that all these things make us human and that all these emotions are the very reason why we can even decide to do anything why we can even get up in the morning so we can never truly lead a perfect life and that's okay because that's what living is about so that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. If you like this episode and if you want to listen to more, do follow my Spotify podcast page. That's Mind Dump with Bea. Um, by following it, you'll be able to be regularly updated whenever I release a new episode. And you can also um, look back on my past episodes if you haven't listened to them yet. So yes, do follow my Spotify Watch out next week because I will have a very, very special guest with me. So watch out for that. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Bea, and this has been Mind Dump.